welcome to Growing, a podcast about birth, babies, and beyond. I'm your host, Beth. I'm a midwife, a business owner, and a mum. If you're anything like me, you find yourself wearing many hats, and this can be fun and hard and everything in between. So I'm here to offer support and solidarity for whatever season of growth you find yourself in. Let's go. Welcome to episode 20 of Growing. I am so happy to have you here today because we are talking about such an important topic, which is your baby's movements, or as it's sometimes called fetal movements, but I prefer to say your baby's movements. Before we get stuck in, I want to let you know that my online birth preparation course, Power Birth, has just had a glow up. I have re-recorded a bunch of the videos with content updates and bonus material and students who purchase the updated course will receive lifetime access to the content, meaning it's there for you to revisit the lessons as often as you like, including for a refresher if you choose to expand your family down the track. The course steps you through the process of labor and birth. It helps you understand the role of your key hormones, how to work with them, how to work with your body in labor. And we talk about strategies for working with pain, as well as looking at how you can support the process of birth. So if that sounds like topics that you want to deep dive into a little bit more to feel ready and excited to meet your baby, you can learn more and sign up at www.powerbirthcourse.com.au. Okay. Let's jump on in because like I said, this topic is really crucial for all pregnant people to be aware of. If you are in your second trimester, your midwife or doctor is going to be checking in with you to see if your baby is moving regular, regularly sorry, inside the uterus. Why is this? Well, a perceived change in your baby's pattern of movement is clinically significant because generally speaking, a well baby will move regularly. A compromised baby, so a baby who's trying to tell us, you know, they're not doing so great, may slow or change their movements as a way of conserving energy. And I want you to think about this like when you're not well, do you go for a run? Are you able to push through and work as normal? Or do you find yourself slowing down a little bit, having to sit on the couch, maybe take a few days off work, that kind of thing? So, Here are some key things to keep in mind when you're monitoring your little one's wriggles and kicks. Most people are going to notice movements for the first time anywhere between 14 to 20 weeks. And I want to reassure you that there is huge variation here. For example, a mum who has been pregnant multiple times might feel that those movements are more familiar and pick them up a little bit earlier versus someone who is pregnant for the first time may not notice that they are actually feeling the movements until later on. Placental location can play a large role in when and how you feel your movements. So many people with an anterior or a front-facing placenta notice movements further along. So I guess I'm saying this as a bid to say try not to compare and each pregnancy is unique. Something I do want to tell you is really I encourage you not to use a Doppler at home, which is one of those uh, machines that allows you to pick up a baby's heart rate when it's placed against the skin. 
And look, I, I've had people come back and say, for me, you know, as someone who had lots of or multiple pregnancy losses, a at-home Doppler was a huge strategy for maintaining a sense of calm at home and, and knowing that the pregnancy was still there. And of course, if this is the case for you and this brings you comfort, then I totally understand that. But what I'm referring to when I say, please don't use a Doppler at home, is that if you have a concern about your baby's movements, please don't use an at-home Doppler as a way of reassuring yourself that everything is fine. And the reason that I say this is that the presence of a fetal heart rate and a reassuring pattern of movement are two very different things. So midwives and doctors are actually specifically trained in the assessment of fetal heart rate patterns. That is why we say, if you detect a change in your baby's movements or if your baby's movements are absent, come in and see us. On that note as well, I want to let you know that kick counting is not recommended because there is no standard number of kicks that equal universally reassuring. Each baby is unique. When I was pregnant and exploring pregnancy apps myself, I was actually quite alarmed to notice that kick counters are built into many popular apps, despite it being widely recognized as an unreliable tool for monitoring fetal well-being. So please, if you are using a app on your phone or you've got family and friends saying to you, oh, you just count the kicks and as long as they've done X amount in this many minutes, all is well, please instead follow the recommendation, which is to try to notice a pattern of movement and follow whatever is normal for your baby. So this pattern will tend to emerge between 28 and 30 weeks as this is when your baby matures and develops a sleep-wake cycle. Less than 28 weeks, while you won't necessarily feel a consistent pattern of movement, and I want to give you an example. For some people, their pattern of movement will be that Bubby is really active in the morning and you are used to feeling your baby move a lot when you're sitting down and eating breakfast. If you then noticed that you woke up one day, you're sitting down eating breakfast, having a coffee, and you're like, oh, you know what? I haven't sensed my baby move since I woke up. Or, you know, maybe I have felt the move, but it's much, much less than normal. That would be a deviation of your unique pattern of movement or your baby's unique pattern of movement. Like I said, less than 28 weeks, it is still recommended that you present if you feel that bub's movements are reduced or absent. Even though the pattern might not be as clear, it is normal to feel some movement every day from the time that you begin feeling them. So to that end, what will happen when you come in for a uh, reduced movements assessment? So I just want to really reiterate that if you suspect a change in bub's movements, a face-to-face review is integral. If you are over 24 weeks gestation, when you come in, you'll be offered something called a CTG, which is a monitor that provides a graph of bub's heart rate. And these graphs, the CTG readings, have reassuring and non-reassuring features that ultimately form part of a clinical picture when considering whether you know your bub's doing well in the uterine environment. And midwives and doctors are trained in CTG interpretation. In fact, we have to renew our training every single year to make sure that we are really up to date with how to interpret these graphs because especially in the context of a concern over your baby, it's really, really important that we know what we're doing with this information. Ultrasound will also be offered and this is used primarily to check the level of amniotic fluid around the baby and the function of the placenta and also check in on bub's growth and kind of 
like the CTG and like what you're telling us, it becomes part of a broader clinical picture. And I want you to think of these as like puzzle pieces. So, you know, all of these things, the ultrasound, what you're letting us know, the the CTG and your history and, and any other risk factors that, you know, that you may have coming into this pregnancy, they come together. We consider all of these factors and then we make a plan for care moving forward. The plan from this point is going to, you know, vary a lot. For example, if you come in and you say, you know, we're halfway through the CTG and your baby's bouncing around in there and they're kicking and they're moving again and you're thinking, oh, this is much more like them, that is hugely, hugely reassuring and that is going to influence what the recommendation is moving forward versus if you are, we get to the end of our assessment and we're saying, you know, are you still not feeling baby move as much? or at all, and you say, yeah, they're really quiet, this absolutely needs to be taken into consideration. So there is a huge spectrum of what may happen from this point, and it's really going to depend on what is happening for you. But the key thing is, is that you have linked in with your care team so that we can make a plan moving forward. The other thing that might happen is that you might be encouraged to have some extra clinic appointments just to follow up. You might be admitted to hospital for extra observation. And depending on your gestation and and what was found from that assessment, your care team may also make a plan for birth. So whether that's going for an unplanned cesarean birth, if they are really concerned about the well-being of your baby, or whether that is having a conversation about induction of labor, if you're closer to full term. So I hope this gives you some insight into why monitoring your baby's movements are so important the sort of what not to do. So relying on at-home Dopplers and kit counters as reassurance, even if you're concerned about your baby's pattern of movement and giving you some insight into what would actually happen when you come in and moving forward. That is it from me. I hope this episode has been helpful. As always, I'm going to encourage you to subscribe if you know you're loving this podcast and you want more information or share it with a friend who you think might benefit. Thank you so much for being here. I will see you back here very soon. If you're hearing this message, then you've listened all the way to the end and maybe you're keen for more. If that's the case, jump over to my website to learn about how I can support you in pregnancy. It's www.birthwithbeth.com.au or check out my Instagram for heaps more educational content. Thank you for being here and I'll see you back here very soon.